There's a popular children's movie that came out a few years ago, and in the, that movie there's one scene in which the three little girls are playing a game at a carnival, and they're trying to knock down the target at a booth so they can win a prize. And the father's handing the booth attendant dollar after dollar as they, they keep on trying and trying and failing. Finally, they actually hit the target, but nothing happens. The game is rigged. That's when the father steps in, and he happens to be a world-class supervillain. So he takes out his gun, which looks like it could power a nuclear reactor, and he hands the attendant a dollar and he says, my turn. And then he just completely blasts everything away, and he hands the prize to his daughter. Wouldn't it be nice to have someone to back you up like that? When you came across some challenge or impossible task or some enemy, that they would step in for you and fight your battle. Well, we have that. That's what we see Christ is as our, our champion, as we look at the start of his ministry in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 4, and we see Jesus stepping in to fight our battle for us. Because we in our weakness could not stand against our enemy, and we were doomed under him. Jesus came to fight. We see that as Jesus was baptized, the Father declared him to be his son. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And the first thing Jesus does then is it says he is led by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't lead Jesus at the start of his ministry to a life of leisure. No, he, he sends him to fight our battle. And Jesus is alone out in the wilderness. And it says he's fasting for 40 days. And there, in his weakness, as Matthew records he's hungry, the devil comes to tempt him. And the temptation that the devil first gives that we have recorded among all these temptations is, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. That might seem like no big deal, but notice, first of all, the devil comes and hits him at a point where he would be weakest. Jesus is true man. He hungered, and according to his true human nature, he felt the pains of hunger just as we do. And here was a simple solution. If he really was God's son, why did he have to hunger? And that's what's behind this temptation. If you really are who you claim to be, someone loved by God the Father, why are you suffering? It's both a charge against God and a charge for you to doubt his goodness. The devil will come to us when we are weakest. He will come and he will find the one who is weak as they've faced a difficult challenge in their marriage. And then, then the temptation will come with a coworker who's also facing a challenge in their marriage. And the temptation will arise just, just this one time. Step aside. Or the person who is confused in their adolescence as they're facing the challenges of a changing body will be tempted in their weakness to cave into the temptations. If they just change, if they just change a little bit of their body or give in to the new identity, then they'll be happy. The devil comes to us in our weakness. And in our weakness, he gets us to doubt that our God really loves us and gave us a good situation. But Jesus picks up the sword of the Spirit, and he uses the word of God. It is written, he says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus grabs from the sword of the Spirit and quotes from a, 
a Bible book that maybe you wouldn't think you'd read that often, but the book of Deuteronomy. And there he refers to a time when the people were at their weakness, being tempted in the wilderness for 40 years. And they were reminded to trust in their God. And with that sword, he slayed the temptation. Our victor stood against the enemy. Maybe for a time when we failed to use the word of God, he used it. Then it says, the devil took him to the holy city and put him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, you like scripture, Jesus? You, you trust in God? Good. Let's see how much you trust in him. Throw yourself down. It says he'll protect you and he'll lift you up so you won't be harmed. The devil can quote scripture for his purpose. And Martin Luther pointed out that if the devil doesn't succeed in getting us to doubt God and turn aside from trusting his goodness, he'll make us arrogant and cocksure so that we go headfirst and proud against him. Maybe I guess this would have been the case if someone would have tried driving to church last Sunday and said, you know what, I'm going to church. Nothing's going to happen to me as I go on this slippery road. Or perhaps, if you understand what I'm getting at, there's a lot of sickness going around. I don't have to worry about it. So therefore, I'm not going to wash my hands or do things to try to keep people healthy. The devil would have us put our trust in God and use it as something foolhardy so that God will somehow bless our carelessness. But Jesus takes the sword of the Spirit. It is written, also written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And yes, once again, quoting from Deuteronomy. The devil, after he tries to get us to doubt God's goodness, tries to get us to be arrogant in our faith and pious, will then outright contradict God. After all, isn't that what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden? Adam and Eve stood against the questioning of God. They stood against wondering what God's word was. But when it came to doubting if God really said something that was true, they failed. And the devil had, since the very beginning of time, defeated every man, every woman. Since he got Adam to fall, he never failed in bringing the children of Adam and Eve to fall into sin. And now he was going to try his hand one more time at this man. This man who claimed to be the, the Holy One. The devil took him to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and said, All this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Now, maybe this doesn't seem like that big of a deal or temptation, but think about what he's getting down to. Jesus, if, if you just make one infraction, all this, this suffering, all the path that lies ahead of you, I can fix that. And how often haven't we, in our weaknesses, thought, you know, if I just succumb this, this one time, then then my life would be so much easier. One small infraction and just giving, giving the devil his day will make my life so much easier. So I'm not going to follow God in this particular circumstance, and he'll understand. After all, why should I bear such a cross? We know in our weakness how the devil has come to us, and we have time and time again given into that, that one infraction, that, that one deviation the one which leads us with all sinners to condemnation and to hell, to join with the devil, to fall from perfection 
and under God's wrath. But this one man, he was the anomaly, the exception. Once more, he takes the sword of the Spirit and once more quotes from Deuteronomy. It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And Jesus this time added something. He said, Away from me, Satan, showing his power over the enemy. After centuries, millennia of succeeding against every man, the devil failed in his attacks against this man and was overcome and conquered and sent away in defeat. Jesus stepped in. Consider what this means for us, that we have a champion who can defeat our enemy, who stands over him, a man who stood in our place who decided that after seeing all the suffering and knowing what we would face, that he would willingly take that on himself to fight for us. A man who could not fail. The writer to the Hebrews says, we have one who is tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. That is our champion, Jesus, who defeated the devil for us. And more than that, he goes on to defeat all of our enemies as he bears our sin and our guilt and takes the price. And Jesus defeats the grave as he rises again in victory, conquering sin, death, and the devil for us. And he did this for you. Think about what we read earlier from the Apostle Paul when he said, just as through the disobedience of the one man, that's Adam, the many were made sinners, how much more through the obedience of the one man in his righteous act, the many will be made righteous, will be justified. That's you with your champion, Jesus. You could not stand. And we must confess we have not stood against our enemy. It was a hopeless fight. But the Son of God came, and he stepped into history, and he said, my turn. And when he did, he crushed our enemy. So that what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8 stands true for you and all who trust in Christ as their champion. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we can say with our Lord now, away from me, Satan, as we trust in our champion Christ. No, we will stumble, we will fall, but not in defeat, with Christ as our victor. Christ is the one who crushed the scheming serpent.